Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny. Welcome to Tasty Pages. A podcast for people who love cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page. We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories. Including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear. (laughs) All of this takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis. Oh yeah, we also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners, and we end each episode with a lame food-related joke. Usually very lame. Hey now. (laughs) Join Join us for for Tasty Tasty Pages. This episode is brought to you by Ash Creek, growers of Oregon hazelnuts. Before we connected with Ash Creek, we foolishly assumed that all hazelnuts were created equal. We'd simply buy whatever was offered up at our local grocery store. Needless to say, we were always unimpressed. I can remember the first time we received a pouch of roasted hazelnuts from Ash Creek. Tasting them was like a revelation. These have been grown on the family orchard in western Oregon's Wilmette Valley since the 1800s. Known for their large size and strong flavor profile, Ash Creek hazelnuts contain no salt or sugar and have a warm, buttery taste that's perfect for salads and breakfast granola or baking. Our listeners can receive 10% off their purchase by entering the code COOKBOOK at checkout when they visit ashcreekoregon.com. That's ashcreekoregon.com. This week's featured cookbook is... Salad Freak by Jess Danick. Hello, Mr. Balmer. <gasps> hey, Victoria. <laughs> you sound so formal. It's a very professional podcast we're doing here. Yes, it is. All right. Hey, welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. If you visit our website, wecookbooks.com, that will direct you to our store tab. And that is our Amazon.com affiliate page with a few lists there. Kitchen essentials for home cooks, uh, cookbooks, food photography and styling, and fun food finds. You can browse any of those lists and make a purchase. And if you do so, we'll learn a little bit of a commission for the sale, but it won't cost you a penny more. Uh, It's a great way to support the work that we're doing here. And definitely appreciated. How's it going? It's going okay. Ooh, should we talk about what we're drinking? Yes, uh, we are drinking a mango margarita. Back on the margarita train. Back on the margarita train. But although I did make you a tasty beverage before this, yes, I was, I was practicing my mixology skills, and this one turned out a little bit better than most of them do. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that he makes is like. Uh, undrinkable backwash <laughs> it tastes like bilge water yep <laughs> i well, um one of one of the uh, chef instructors actually told a student that their uh, bouillabaisse tasted like bulge water back in the day whoa it's quite it's quite the uh that's the kind of encouraging support you would <laughs> expect from a from a instructor chef elaine was no joke man didn't didn't suffer fools no or a boring bouillabaisse <laughs> or bilgy bouillabaisse <laughs> anyway yes this cocktail that you made was very nice it's kind of a twist on a vesper but it didn't have gin in it just yeah. vodka yes which we found out we're not as much of fans of the vespers yeah, because the, the gin to vodka ratio is a bit off. Mm-hmm. But for our I, taste, we Johnny brought home a bottle of Lilette Blanc. Blanc, Blanc. Our new <laughs> <laughs> Lilette Blanc. 
It's our, it's our new favorite uh, mixer, I would think. Yeah, it's it's an aperitif. It's like a... I got the stuff from, from Wikipedia if you want me to share it. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. It. So it's a 85% blend of Bordeaux region wines and then 15% macerated liquors. How's that sound? That um, grabs me. And that mostly includes orange peel and then quinine. Which, you know, as you pointed out in a previous episode, can be deadly to mm-hmm. some people. So keep them away from the Lillet. Yes. But uh, this is uh, the featured mixer in the classic Vesper cocktail mm-hmm. from the uh, James Bond film Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. It was kind of his beverage of choice. It was also the preferred drink by Hannibal Lecter in the Thomas Harris novels. Oh, I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. Hmm. Apparently he's a big Lillette fan. When I think of Lillette, Lillette all I can think of is um, The Sopranos, when Carmilla starts having uh, an emotional affair with the priest, and uh-huh. he's kind of like using her. Like he goes over there and wa- like watches their Netflix and stuff, and he'll be like- It's their manicotti. Yeah, and he'll be like, "Can I? could I possibly get like a Lillette Blanc? So, I don't remember that. Yes. That's funny. Well, that- <laughs> We'll be discussing that in a second because that's a that's a great segue into our uh, podcast question. But before we do that, why don't we discuss what we've been watching? Yeah, because it's food food related. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started watching Julia on HBO Max. So far, so good. It's it's basically about how, like how she got her show up and running, and uh, we're, we're like what six episodes in, something like that. And they're kind of setting it up so I could definitely see them having. Uh, future mm-hmm. seasons too because this kind of focuses solely on like you said like her landing her public television show gig and then just the growing pains that kind of went went along with that and and just her own personal journey i know oh, you Jesus love Christ. when i say that uh of being kind of thrust into like this minor celebrity stardom well, time. and how much work the TV show takes. And, right. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, God, do we really need another another movie or show about Julia Child? I'm enjoying it. Yeah, so, and, exactly. And, you know, it's... Uh, I saw that they're rebooting Iron Chef yes, on Netflix. Yes. With Alton Brown and, and Kristen Kish. Yes. As like the moderators, hosts, whatever yeah, you want to call is, it. That's going to be on Netflix? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Yeah. See, and I was ready to like let go of Netflix. Oh, yeah. We had talked about yeah. that. We might have to hold on to it for a second. I know. What are we working on currently? We are working on... As four- if I don't know. Hey, Victoria, <laughs> what are we working on? Well, in case you didn't know, <laughs> Mr. Balmer, um, we're working on Forest Feast Road Trip by Aaron Gleason. And that leads us to what's for dinner tonight? We are having the soba salad. Yeah, everything um, in this book is really easy, plant-based, mm-hmm. healthy-ish. I'm so excited that I can actually have soba noodles because I love soba noodles. You were worried that they might have some gluten in them? Uh, yep, but oh. I but I looked that stuff up on the internet. No and gluten? It said there's no, no tri- gluten. Oh, hopefully it's right. Hopefully it's accurate. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise uh, things are not going to be too happy around no. here. <laughs> Say no more. Well, uh, let's talk about our show question. No. (laughs) Trust me, you'll like it. It's going to be great. Um, We put this out to our listeners and our followers, and uh, we said, what are some of your favorite food-centric episodes 
from fictional television shows. So in other words, like, was there a particular episode that had like a food related kind of uh, shenanigans as like a, a, a main focal point? We got to thinking about this just because we were talking about both The Office and Seinfeld, which I feel like we could probably just spend an entire episode just talking about those Absolutely. two shows alone and all the the food uh, you know centered episodes that occurred. But uh, we got some great responses, so thanks for that. You want to lead things off? Yes, Dean Vaccaro said the infamous Thanksgiving episode from the Bob. Newhart show. 1972. 1972. So I got to be honest, I, I was not familiar with this, so I guess it was like not so infamous. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up on uh, YouTube. And there was like a clip from it. I, I guess the basic premise is that Bob Newhart decided to spend this particular Thanksgiving in Chicago with one of his like really big clients, I guess okay. you'd call it. Or, uh, I don't patience. think I've, I don't think I've ever seen an episode of Bob. Yeah, Moore, so, so but but I think in reality, like he didn't really want to spend it with his wife and family and in laws and stuff, and so this was kind of like a convenient uh, excuse for him to not have to do that. And then Olive's trying to drink your margarita. <laughs> Crazy dog. And I don't know, I watched it. It It's definitely like a very specific kind of comedy mm-hmm. that you either get or you don't. Kind of like Monty Python. And I just, I wasn't feeling it personally. Like okay. I was watching it. I think you kind of saw it over my shoulder. Yeah. And I was just kind of like. Eh. I was like, not funny. But I mean, definitely <laughs> food related. There's a, there's a whole bit in there where they're trying to order like Chinese takeout for Thanksgiving. And, and some might find it hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> some might <laughs> some might our friend jack does said i always think of the friends episode in which john lovitz played an extremely high food critic sampling Wait. foods that monica had made and repeatedly saying mmm tartlets do you remember that one no oh, i don't either hmm it's also infamous there we go yeah <laughs> i'm gonna have to look that one up because i really don't remember that kairos d said resident alien i'm not familiar with this uh, apparently it's a Dark comedy on Peacock. Harry the alien eats his octopus cousin and friend after he dies in a tragic accident when he dies with Chardonnay. Yeah, I guess that's the plot. I don't know. Okay, and uh, the music is Everybody Talking by Nilsson. Yeah. I, Everybody's talking. It's a dark comedy. I'm fans of that. These are, these are some pretty obscure examples that people are all providing. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised. Our friend Adam S. said the Sesame Street uh, episode where the waiter Grover serves a big hamburger. And we, it's on YouTube. We and, watched it. It yeah. was really funny. <laughs> I vaguely remember that from my childhood. And, and it was kind of funny to go back and, and watch it again. But I, it had me laughing. It's a good one. So if you're, if you're not familiar with that, look up the, the Waiter Grover serving the big hamburger. At Grace Lane Smith Art said, uh, ha ha, you wouldn't be referring to that dinner party episode by The Office <laughs> or from The Office, would you? And she's she's not wrong. There you go. Um, at Maxwell Gregory 2018 said, Lucille Ball and the Candy Conveyor Belt. And that's another one that is on YouTube. And if you have not seen it or are unfamiliar with it, check it out. It's, it's pretty, very pretty funny. hilarious. And it, it, that reminded me of there was that Stomping Grapes episode, mm-hmm. too. So uh, I Love Lucy had a, a few of, of, of those different examples. And then... Uh, 
at Jackie Cooks Food said it has to be Charlie explaining milk steak on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And we went back and like rewatched that little clip too. And that was kind of a recurring joke throughout the series where he'd mentioned milk steak. (laughs) And then I think there's actually, wasn't there a binging with Babish episode where he made the infamous milk steak? Probably. Yeah. Yuck. So look, look that one up too. It's worth, it's worth checking out. Ooh, I had a a last minute entry at my heirloom project said Schitt's Creek. Fold in the cheese. <laughs> I've seen that clip so many times. Oh, have you really? Yeah. Because I'm not from, I mean, we are we are late to the Schitt's Creek party. We, we tried an episode once and it didn't grab us, but I think we do have to go back and- Absolutely. Give it another go. Yeah. But there's a Catherine O'Hare's character and uh, Dan Levy, they're cooking and they're following a recipe. And apparently the recipe is like, Gently fold in cheese. And he's like, what is fold in cheese? What do they mean, fold in the cheese? I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. I, I think we need to look up some of these clips later on. Our, I agree with you. In our margarita-fueled haze <laughs> and, 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 and research them. What do you have for your picks? Okay, so my first one is The Simpsons. The episode is E-I-E-I-Do. It's when Homer, uh, he sees a Zorro movie, and so he goes around, and he's like slapping people in the face with the glove, uh-huh. and challenging them to a duel, okay. and uh, you and like he does that as a way to get people to do what he wants. Uh-huh. Uh, some He did it to some guy, and he didn't back down, and so Homer like fled away, and he ended up on a farm. He was farming with plutonium, and he created the... Uh, Hybrid tomato, tobacco, tobacco, tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like a lot of our uh, picks are going to be like these dumb references that we still you know like absolutely like these stupid inside jokes that we still share to this day because we always joke about like tobacco yes and stuff. Let's see. The next one is a Seinfeld episode. It's called the Dinner Party, and this reference is not one but two foods. Bobka yep. and the black and white cookie. That is true. Um, and basically, they're going to a dinner party, and George and Kramer go to the liquor store to pick up a bottle of wine. Was that the with the big puffy, big puffy, puffy jacket, <laughs> the puffy coat, knocking shit over? And then um, Elaine and uh, Seinfeld are waiting in the bakery. And, um, for the chocolate babka. She wanted the chocolate babka. Got the cinnamon got instead. Got the cinnamon. Inferior. And, Inferior babka. And Jerry has a black and white cookie, and he's like, why can't we look to the cookie? For? Yep. And uh, it ends up making him sick and ruins his 10-year no vomiting, vomiting right. streak. Another Seinfeld one, The Rye. George goes to dinner uh, at his in-laws and he brings this loaf of marble rye. Yep. And and they didn't touch it, so he steals it back. Oh, this is also another two food one. This is rye and beefaroni. That's because in the horses <laughs> eat beefaroni. <laughs> I'm sure this is really great for our listeners to just be listening to us like reminiscing about past TV shows we've watched. <laughs> but... Yeah, another good one. They try. He tries to sneak it back in, and uh, that's right. And like Kramer he had, takes the like throwing it up to him, and like the fishing to, like, pole. Yeah, exactly. 
Friends, uh, there's the one where they're trying to find out Phoebe's grandma's cookies recipe. She's like, uh, it's from Nestle Toulouse. And it was actually just like a Nestle Toll House. It was the recipe off the back of the Nestle Toll House. Nice. And then the other one is, it's called the one where Ross got high. Rachel uh, is making a dessert, but the pages of the cookbook get stuck together. So it's like a combination trifle shepherd's pie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds delicious. Um, Ross says it tastes like feet. Oh. And Joey really enjoyed it. All right. <laughs> okay. Share some of yours. All right. So. As I said, like these are probably will come no as no surprise to you because it's a lot of just like dumb ones that stick out from our twenty three years of marriage and like ones that we still reference to this day, like little inside jokes. So uh, there is the Homer Simpson one where he buys a pet lobster, and the the premise is that. The price of lobster is so expensive, so he has this brilliant idea of buying like a small lobster <laughs> and then like raising it and feeding it to the point where it'll become a large lobster and then he can like eat the profits. And so <laughs> he has this pet lobster named Pinchy and then Pinchy like suddenly dies and so Homer has to like eat him to... Oh, and, Pinchy. And then, you know, they, they flash to that famous scene where he's like bawling uncontrollably and like pinchy why, why do you have to taste so good and we still reference that to this day <laughs> um the office uh there's the dinner party from hell mm-hmm. um and there's clips of that online if you want to watch it it's, it's super funny and then uh kevin's famous the chili, chili. <laughs> there is um i think it's like in the peacock um Terms of agreement, uh-huh. that chili recipe is in there. Ooh, we're going to have to make that sometime. Yeah. All right. Kevin's famous chili. We're, we're going to make it and report back. <laughs> and then uh, Seinfeld, uh, you mentioned the Chocolate Bobka episode. I had that in my notes as well. And then uh, No Soup for You, mm-hmm. the Soup Nazi episode. Louis C.K., before we knew that he was like a sexual predator, uh, the Bang Bang episode. Oh, we always do that. Yes. So it's, basically he goes out to to lunch with a friend and then they kind of both decide like they're both still hungry after this gigantic lunch that they just feasted on and then they they invent this thing called the Bang Bang where they go have a second lunch afterwards, which I don't understand the concept of. But we find it really funny and so we'll always like be driving around for after having lunch somewhere and then we'll go be like oh hey how about that place five guys bang bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> it's dumb but the saturday night live uh dan Aykroyd, julia child skit where he like cuts his hand and he's like oh that that stings like the dickens <laughs> like there's, there's blood ones. like shooting out of his hand <laughs> Classic. I, all these are probably available on YouTube. So if you don't know what we're talking about, just just look them up. And then uh, lastly, I picked The Sopranos because there's always like tons of kind of food adjacent stuff there. Of course, one being don't disrespect the pizza parlor <laughs> where they're sitting in there. Christopher is with his little crew of, of, of people and then like someone bumps into them and this kind of like uh, doesn't he end up shooting him well yeah something like that like uh, you know one of his crew is kind of flexing and and he's like hey take it outside don't disrespect the pizza parlor 
And so, and then uh, there's that famous scene where Tony and Carmela are out in the driveway, and uh, he's sipping some of the orange juice, and he's like, "Hey, what's this?" And she's like, oh. "It's orange juice." And he's like, "Yeah, but." There's too much pulp, and 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 then like you know he's like having this kind of argument with her about like how much pulp he prefers, and he's like I like some pulp, but not <laughs> full pulp or whatever, and then like she throws it at him, and and I I love the uh, revenge is best served cold cuts. Yes. <laughs> so uh, those are just a few that came to mind. I'm sure I could think of tons more, but uh, there you go. All right, all right, that was a good one. Um, should we dive into this book? We might as well. Might as well. That's what we're here for. Much like something like pizza, soup, or sandwiches, with salads, there's so many different directions that you could go with it. So many different ingredients you can use, so many different flavor profiles. This book comes from recipe developer, food stylist, and self-proclaimed salad-obsessed author, Jess Damick, and it collects dozens of recipes that are divided uh by the four seasons of the year. Um, in addition, there's sections within the pages devoted to dressings, condiments, and what she calls uh, crunchy stuff for accessorizing your salad, uh, as well as tips for shopping, washing, and storing your ingredients. And there's even a fun QR code to scan, which links to a curated music to make salads by playlist on Spotify. We'd love a good salad. Yes, we do. We were especially, not mad at, uh, especially now this time of year. Yeah, when we start when when our tastes kind of start changing towards the the lighter fare. No longer am I seeking the comfort of comfort food. Right. I'm 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 all about the big salads. Got to be green and quick and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For when I'm being chased. Because <laughs> that happens to you so yes. much. Yes. Uh, Go ahead and give us a rundown of what we made, and then we'll dive a little deeper into it. All right. So we did a roasted salmon with pistachios and pea tendrils, peas and prosciutto, salad niçoise, um, snoops, barbecue chicken cob salad with all the good stuff, and crunchy beans. All right. Let's start with roasted salmon with pistachios and pea tendrils. So I think, I feel like all, all these recipes were fairly easy absolutely Mm -hmm. this one kind of had the vibe of being like very appealing looking and like it's seemingly very fancy but really easy to make super easy you take the salmon and you put a pistachio crushed pistachio crust on it Mm -hmm. it gets baked in the oven it's got sugar snaps snow peas and pea sprouts or pea tendrils Mm -hmm. And then it's topped off with a zesty creme fraiche uh, dressing, which is just uh, lemon juice, white balsamic, creme fraiche. Yeah. Super simple, really delicious. I mean, this was something we whipped up on a weeknight, and it didn't take any time at all. Mm -hmm. And fairly healthy, and uh, it's gorgeous looking. I mean, you get the, the pistachio crust on that roasted salmon. I mean, normally we will usually like... Do the salmon like in a skillet? I prefer a pan-seared salmon. Yeah. So that you can get, with the skin on, because yeah. I love the crispy salmon skin. Well, and anytime we do fish in the oven, because we've roasted it a few times, for, you know, depending on what the recipe calls for, I'm always a little worried that it, it's harder to monitor the doneness of it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always worried that it's going to get over. I feel like it needs more babysitting. Right. 
Especially but, since our oven seems to take longer. Right. But um, this this was solid. We had nothing to worry about. I don't remember it being an issue at all. No. How about uh, that peas in prosciutto? It's so weird that it's prosciutto. Right? Prosciutto. It's <laughs> freaking No, this prosciutto. is more efficient. You're saving time. You're good, sure. Saving time out of my busy schedule okay. by pronouncing it prosciutto. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is another, I mean, everything was really simple. Yeah. Although we kind of like laughed a little bit because the recipe called for making your own your own ricotta, and we're like, ha ha, ha no. Yeah. Um, even even claiming that you won't regret it, and we were like, oh, I think I'll regret it on a weeknight <laughs> if I try making this ricotta, and we're eating at ten o'clock. Yeah. Want to note? We added a little bit of chopped preserved lemon to this, which we had in our fridge, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like salt and pepper. That's one of the things is I feel like maybe I need to look at the recipe again. They, you know, she doesn't recommend like salt and pepper your ricotta Mm. because I think plain ricotta is like so bland. Yeah. This works as a bed for um, uh, some peas. And what you do is you take the pea pods and you char them just char them a little bit, like two minutes, mm-hmm. and then you take prosciutto. You can use the same pan. Slap it in there until it's nice and crispy. Oh, I love a good crispy prosciutto. Mm-hmm. That gets garnished with some mint and dill. Mm-hmm. You can also do this prosciutto, like a lot of times what we'll do is treat it similarly to how we make bacon, where we like put it in the oven on a sheet tray mm-hmm. on some on a wire rack and... I just feel like it's a little less mess and it's just a little bit low, lower maintenance because you just stick it in there until crispy. And oh, See, I prefer to do it in the pan. Do you? Yeah. Because oh. it's so much quicker and there's yes. like less dishes because otherwise you have to do like the wire rack. You have to wash the wire rack in the pan. Not and if those, you lay it out with, to- with uh, tinfoil. And those wire racks are a pain in the ass to, to clean. Yeah, they can be. <laughs> I, I, I feel you. Yeah. Anything else on this? I don't think so. Let's talk salad niçoise. Yes. No uh, salad cookbook would be complete without the inclusion of a uh, niçoise salad recipe. Right? Yeah. I mean, this has a little bit of a spin on it. It's got uh, some some nice flaky tuna. And we went... Which it actually recommend... Didn't it recommend like from a can? Yes. Yeah. We went and got like some of the... Uh, Kind of expensive tuna we did. in oil. It was like $12, $12 yeah. per tin, but it was beautiful. It was good. Because I was going to be like, oh, I'll just like, let's get some tuna and I'll sear it up and we'll use that. Yeah. And ooh, the, uh, the tuna at the fishmonger didn't look very good. It did so. not. And I know you're not a fan of like the regular tuna fish like packed the, in oil. The, star, the starfish tuna. The stuff that I make for my bullshit lunches. Yeah. Because you're all, I, I can see the look on your I'm face like, as I'm Ugh. throwing it together. So I didn't want to subject you to eating that. But, but the, you were all right with this. Well, I, I have to say I did give you most of the tuna. But I did have some. And I enjoyed it. All right. I should have like snatched some of that back. Yeah. I think this was like a little bit probably one of the more involved recipes. Because you have to boil the potatoes. You have to blanch the green beans. You have to boil the eggs. Yep. And this this got served with the well, kind of the traditional sherry vinegar uh, vinaigrette. Uh, it's sherry vinegar, mm-hmm. mustard, mm-hmm. some lime juice. I like it because it's a 
it's like a really hearty salad. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, if, if your goal is to like have something that, you know, you're going to be full at least for like an hour or so, this is your salad. It's <laughs> always the problem I have with salads. It's like an hour later, I'm just like a snack monster. You can eat until you're, you're like absolutely stuffed. You're like, oh, yeah. God, I can't move. And then like an hour later, you're like, like let's make a pizza. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Let's have some pretzels. Yes. Uh, let's talk Snoop's barbecue chicken cob salad with all the good stuff. So a uh, little backstory. Jess Damock was a food stylist for Martha Stewart. Martha writes the foreword of the For of the, the book. book. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, she kind of developed a, a friendship with Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. And so she credits him with this recipe because uh, he was like, you, sh- you should make a chicken cob salad recipe. And um, there's a few twists on it, though. Mm-hmm. So let's see. The first being this Snoop style bacon, as she refers to it, mm-hmm. where rather than neatly like fry stuff up in a pan or you know oven and you know whatever your preferred method is you just take the bacon out of the package and kind of like <laughs> pile it up in a big nest messy nest in the pan and let it cook let it ride don't don't poke at it don't disturb it and apparently it gets like nice and crispy and curly and unfortunately i just well when we made the salad it was after we did Fried the chicken. Korean fried chicken. And yes. I was like, uh-uh, I'm not cleaning up another mess. And that sounded very messy. <laughs> I can guarantee you if you just pile up a nest of bacon in your pan there, and fry it until crisp. There's Yes. So, and it just, frankly, didn't really sound that appealing to me. Like, I'd rather just have my, my bacon, you know, laid out neatly so I can cut it up nicely. Well, I mean. Put it in the salad. It's all going to be chopped up. So, I know. You know. But uh, yeah, so that was the kind of the first little pivot we made with this. Uh, but you know, in the interest of like not making a mess of our kitchen, we just couldn't bring ourselves to do the the Snoop style bacon. And there's also uh, recommended like bottled store bought barbecue mm-hmm. sauce, which we rarely keep on hand. Um, if we make any, we usually make it ourselves. And so you use something that ended up being quite good. Yeah, I I like kind of improvised. Um, first of all, the chicken gets a gets a rub. It gets uh, some seasoned salt, garlic powder, chili, and cayenne. And that can sit for a couple hours to overnight. Mm-hmm. But I made a... I mean, I wouldn't even call it a barbecue sauce. Um, it had the similar components to it. Well, I put gochujang. Did I say that right? Did I actually pronounce that right this time? I think gochujang? so. Or gochujang. I I usually like trip over my tongue on that. Well done. Progress. <laughs> right. I still can't say integru- intricacies. Yeah. Yep. That. <laughs> Honey, I think I'll try it at least once every podcast. Do it. <laughs> Gochujang, honey, some tomato paste, and uh, I kind of don't remember what else. <laughs> you were winging it. I, I think. I think you were improvising, man. I was improvising. I think maybe some apple cider vinegar. Sure. Um, Sounds right to me. Yep. This also had some blue corn tortilla strips. Mm-hmm. That um, we made from scratch. Well, not from scratch, but we took some blue corn tortillas, fried, fried them, up. them up. Yep. Uh, the dressing. It was a buttermilk ranch dressing, and we substituted the uh, mayonnaise for Greek yogurt because yeah. I 
Mayonnaise is kind of gross. Yeah, this recipe had, it called for a lot of things that we just generally don't have on hand. And I'm not about to go buy like a bottle of barbecue sauce and a jar of mayo just to make this salad. Although we could have probably went downstairs and been like, hey, can we slide you like a dollar for a condiment thing of barbecue yeah, sauce? Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the dressing also, I mean, obviously it had buttermilk in it. And then there were all the usual suspects in a Cobb salad, uh, cherry tomatoes, avocado, hard-boiled eggs, beloved blue cheese. Mm-hmm. This was another like super hearty salad. Yeah, I was going to say, very substantial. So if you're looking for like a salad to serve at dinner, mm-hmm. this is this is your salad. Yes. And then lastly, we did crunchy beans. And this was like... Super simple, kind of a classic elevated take on uh, three beaten salad. Yes. Uh, it had crispy chickpeas, which are just chickpeas that get uh, sauteed with a little bit of olive oil, salt, and ancho chili powder. Nice. Um, and then it also had Eric Vert. <laughs> Fancy name for? Green beans. Yeah. Did you ever go to a family potluck when you were younger and someone brought one of those three bean salads? No, no one ever brought three bean oh. salad. What about the the jello with the carrots in it? Or the, you know, that like No, I don't think salad? so. Ooh. There was always like the gross Waldorf salad. Oh yeah. Ugh. <laughs> gross. Was there a Waldorf recipe in this book? There had to have been. There must have I don't know. Got it got it included in Here, the, let in me the, look. Let's in the see. salad book. There is not. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Egregious omission. Um, so let's see. Oh, God, we're getting so off track. Uh, <laughs> this has like a yogurt vinaigrette and the vinaigrette called for mayo. We just kept it straight, mm-hmm. straight yogurt. And it had, and it called for like a sprinkle of sumac on the top. Lovely. Yes. I'm so glad she, she uh, leaned into those choices. Sumac gives it like a really nice... Uh, Little kick of tart, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but this was like a great uh, dish that you could make for like a like a potluck, mm-hmm. summer barbecue. Bring it over. Not the same old tired thing that everyone brings. They would devour it. It'd yes. be great. Um, okay, so before we jump into our rankings, let's discuss the most critical Amazon review. Thankfully, there were no one or two star reviews. I found one three star review from Christina Obern. And it uh, says, I guess I'm not a salad freak. So many ingredients that I don't even know about. It is more of a cookbook to read than to use daily. I am more for simple recipes with easily available ingredients. I will continue to read it and maybe get one salad from it. It was beautifully illustrated. Back to her uh, iceberg salads, it sounds like. <laughs> the the iceberg salad with Thousand the Island dressing. Salad tomato. Uh-huh. Maybe a couple slices of cucumber. Maybe, if you're feeling crazy. There we go. All right. The, hey, I mean, and I'm like, that's a salad that I grew up eating. Maybe those fake bacon pieces. Oh, bacon bits? Yeah. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's discuss our rankings, food photography and styling. What'd you have, Victoria? I give it a five. Yeah. It was beautiful. Okay, very well styled. Some of the photos were super simple with just the plate of food and some herbs sprinkled around on the backdrop. Mm-hmm. Lots of very light backdrops. Mm-hmm. Except for in winter, 
like in the winter section there were a few like darker photos mm-hmm. like there was an end it, it was i felt like it didn't kind of fit with the whole aesthetic of the book but i really liked the photo it was a photo of an endive salad and it was like on this ledge in front of a window it was actually on a dark plate mm-hmm. because all the plates were white or off-white and it was sitting there and there was a, there was some reading glasses sitting there which cracks me up because <laughs> we joke about that a lot pocket watch <laughs> like these weird props putting in extraneous food photos. props yes. like that don't have any relation to not at all <laughs> but it was a very beautiful photo and i felt like some of the photos were very soft because they use like linen she used linens mm-hmm. as a background yeah i noticed that too um the produce shots, the like singular produce shots were mm-hmm. gorgeous. Mm-hmm. There was also a lot, there was, I'm assuming they were outdoor shots because it, there was a lot of work with shadows and whatnot. Right. And some of the photos had like a really nice monochromatic color story. There was a photo that was kind of all purples and there's a photo that's like all off whites. Also, another thing is that you use a backdrop that is in the color of the food mm-hmm. to kind of highlight it. Sure. And some of the some of the photos were like very very like styled. Uh, well, and coming from her absolutely. experience as a food stylist, that that was something I observed as well. So you're, you'll probably be more eloquent on this. Uh, <laughs> don't be so sure. <laughs> I did give it a five. Okay. As well, uh, Linda Puglies. Pugliese, however you pronounce it. You should have looked it up, sir. My apologies, Linda. Uh, But she's the photographer. Mostly overhead shots. Um, No surprise that there's an emphasis on food styling. So there's a great use of uh, not only lighting and shadows, but just lots of props and accessories. For instance, page 87, (laughs) there's a recipe for something called Carrots for Lauren. And there's a... Uh, Charles Bukowski book in the photo with a whiskey glass and then like a pen and a notepad kind of spread out big tablescape but the, but it's like you're going back to what you're saying like these kind of weird random props for the styling maybe Lauren really loves Bukowski page 90 there was an ashtray in the photo <laughs> I don't know if you saw that no I'm gonna look it up page right 90 now. okay it, uh, there's a there's a food photo with like an ashtray sitting on the table, and I and I was kind of taken aback by it because I was like, wow, that is not something that anyone would consider appealing these days. I applaud you. Oh, for, there's even like ashes in I there. I know. I, it's not just a little unused prop, so I was kind of surprised by that choice. But you know, it's it, it's one of those things that you'll either appreciate or not. Many of the plates feature edible flowers or like a scattering of herbs, but the plating is never what I would consider like kind of precious. It's all, it's often kind of like messily scattered around mm-hmm. the plate or like some seasoning or crumbs will be kind of like mm-hmm. receiving the same treatment, just kind of scattered around the plate and on the nearby surfaces. They succeeded in making all of these dishes appear very inviting and appealing. So mm-hmm. mission accomplished. Like, you know, you look through and you're like, oh, that looks good. That looks good. So design and layout. What'd you give it? I gave it a three. Okay. Uh, you mentioned already there's a forward by Martha Stewart. 
There's the music to make salads by section, which I thought was kind of fun. Chapters are divided amongst the four seasons. There's the ubiquitous pantry staples section that everyone just skips past. It's not really needed (laughs) in this book. There's some essential equipment that I guess if you're like really into salads, maybe you need to like read up on that and know that you have to have a salad spinner and a vegetable peeler, but otherwise not really needed. There is some like information about shopping seasonably and sustainably. The recipe uh, instructions or ingredient list are divided into like, you know, produce, dairy section, pantry ingredients. I thought that was uh, useful for like kind of breaking it down. There's a serving portion. It was written vertically on the page, right, which I thought was really area. weird. And it was um, small, it was super small font. Yeah. So rather than have step-by-step instructions for the recipes, um, they're just simply divided up into like prep and then like assembly and serving steps or cooking steps if there's any cooking involved. Each recipe is in uh, the title is in large lowercase colored font. Uh, makes it easy to read. It really stands out on the page. There's no standard format for the recipes or photo. Like sometimes there'd be a recipe on the left page and then there'd be like a full page uh, photo on the right. Other times the photo might just take up half a page. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the photo would come first in the form of maybe a large two page spread and then there'd be like the recipe afterwards. The design, the layout to me felt a little clunky mm-hmm. personally. There's a styling tip that's placed in a box on the photo, but then other times it would just appear as text on the recipe page. The position of that would change frequently. There's these introductory pages within each chapter where they'd have a macro shot of an ingredient. So like, you know, it was grapefruit, Uh Romanesco. It felt a little like oddly out of place to me. I mean, it was a nice photo, but it, it didn't really fit within the context of the the book overall with like the the other photos of the of the salads hmm. there's a dressings index mm-hmm. so and i think that was divided into both tangy and creamy mm-hmm. flavor profiles so um you know depending on maybe what you, what you're feeling you could easily locate a dressing there was a what i thought was kind of a handy roasting vegetables section uh-huh. that gave you uh times to on uh, roasting various vegetables there's a lot of kind of personal anecdotes in the recipe headnotes and little stories you may or may not enjoy those um i think that's where you know some people might get kind of left behind with when paging through this book if you're someone that believes in the saying don't bore us, get to the chorus, <laughs> right? <laughs> I've never heard yep. that before. You're going to hate these recipe head notes. I gave it a three. I thought it was, it, there were things I liked, things I didn't like. Okay. And so I, I just felt like it was kind of like, eh, you know. All right. Yeah. What about you? I gave it a 2.5. Okay. There were a lot of things that drove me bananas about this okay such as the (laughs) (laughs) go on (laughs) shut up (laughs) um okay number one the recipe title card the recipe title did not need to be that large it was pretty large it was very large and the font was tiny the font was so small 
I had such oh, a. Oh, you're talking the, about like the recipe font. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because like the title of the recipe is very prominent it's on huge, the page, yeah, and it's yeah. in color. Yeah. But the font of the like recipe, uh, the the ingredients and the method is very small. So you would have preferred they like made that larger, maybe scale back the size yes, of the. Big, and yeah. I feel like there's a lot of wasted page yeah. space. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I really hated that the ingredients were um, the ingredients were uh, divided into like the produce, meat, dairy, pantry. Right. Um, and you have no idea what they're being used for until you actually get into the method. Right. Because normally for recipe writing, I, I think it's fairly common for them to just kind of list them in order of appearance or like when you need them. Yes. Or, it, or in different components. Right. Like you, you'll do like a component, like say you have like. And this has no relation to like the method or no. the order of, of which you might be making stuff. That just drives me crazy. Yep. And I hated the serving size that was like going vertically. And to be honest, I didn't notice that it was there until I was like re like looking through the book again today. Yeah, it's not very visible. It's um, a little little, uh, little hidden. Yeah, I would say. Let's see. Uh, what? Else? Yeah, I think you covered like the other things that I wanted to say. But yeah, I di- I didn't. I really didn't love the layout on this. Book. I feel like there's a lot of good information in here and good recipes, and and we really enjoyed what we made. Mm-hmm. But the design of this book is not doing it any favors. No. What'd you have for degree of difficulty? I gave it a two. Okay. I mean, the cooking methods were basically roasting, blanching, sauteing. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, and like not everything like had a cooking method. Like mm-hmm. I felt like 95% of the ingredients were f- fairly common. Common. Not according to that Amazon review. There was one <laughs> recipe for punterelle and I was like, what the hell is punterelle? Do you know what Pinterell is? No. No. I don't remember seeing that in there. Yeah. It's a, it's a variety. I, I looked it up, of uh-huh. course. Uh, it's a like, kind of a variety of chicory and you use the stalks. Okay. Um, I don't think I've ever seen that in a grocery store. I have never, e- I've never even heard of it. Huh. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's salad. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> What'd well, you give? For that reason, I gave it a one. Okay. I think this is probably one of the more easier books that we've uh, worked through. Uh, assuming that you have, are familiar with just basic kitchen techniques, I don't think this would be a You know what? I agree with you. I'm going to change mine to a wine. All right. But yeah, there's really not too much cooking involved either. For most of the recipes, no. Yeah, I would say half the recipes, you know, require you to turn on your stove or oven. Very little baking. There was a focaccia recipe Mm -hmm. in the back. Um, but aside from that, like, like you oh, said, there's a holla recipe too. Okay. Okay. Holla. Yeah. So the, the, like you said, you're, you're, unless you're roasting some vegetables or something, I think this, most of these recipes would be very difficult for someone to mess up. Uh, very easy for them to execute. So agree. I, 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 it, this is always like a tough one for me to rank cookbooks on, but I, I try and put on the hat of, and look at it from the perspective of, okay, we'll just assume a few things that you're not like a complete dummy in the kitchen, <laughs> because if you are, you're probably not buying this cookbook in the first place. But yeah. if, even if you're the most beginner of cooks and maybe you just have like a few cookbooks in your collection, you could buy this and probably execute mm-hmm. everything within the page. 
pages. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at with it. And then lastly, taste. What'd you give it? I gave it a five. Okay. I really appreciated the use of different seasonings for the salad, as well as like some of the different like accessories and like crunchy things mm-hmm. and, and things that, you know, um, I I really enjoyed everything that we made. Um, you know, we talked previously about you know, like the addition of like the sumac to the salad. So mm-hmm. there was definitely like some attention paid to kicking most of these recipes up to the next level. And I think even in the case of a lot of the recipes, like it wasn't just phoning it in like, oh, go buy a rotisserie chicken and throw that on there. You know, they would talk about like, cooking up uh, a chicken breast or something mm-hmm. and then like slicing that up or, you know, cooking a piece of fish and putting that on there rather than just, you know, buying some frozen bullshit or something. So um, I appreciated that. Okay. What'd you have? I give it a four. Okay. Here's the thing though. I think a lot of, of this book kind of, kind of rides on the quality of the ingredients that you can get. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. If you can't get good ingredients or if they're not available to you, then... eh. Well, and it it just occurred to me, too, that unlike a lot of other books that we work through, it's probably a little more challenging to make substitutions Mm -hmm. for something. So depending on what you have available to you, and that's that's why she probably stresses the importance of kind of shopping seasonally Mm -hmm. in the beginning of the book, because if you're trying to make something from within the pages, but you don't have access to something like, you know, fresh tomatoes or something, well, how do you substitute that? Yeah. I mean, your only choice is probably just to like leave them out of the recipe. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have a... I, I, it's a salad. It's a salad, yeah. yeah. I mean, as long as you season all of your ingredients as you go along... What? It's going to be delicious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Five. And you gave it a four. <laughs> I gave it a four. All right. Uh, that brings us to our Gastro Obscura segment from the book of the same name, exploring the weird and wonderful culinary traditions, experiences, and ingredients. Where's our destination this week, Victoria? Cyprus, Greece. All right. Um, and it's the LSD Nightmare Fish. Oh, that sounds appealing. Yes. Uh, it's also called the Selma Porgy. They live off Africa's east coast and down into the Mediterranean. And the thing about this fish is, oh, and they're also identifiable by the their silver fish with a with beautiful gold streaks down their body. They cause hallucinations equal to those of taking LSD. Except you have like night terrors. Yes, uh, a study in like 2006 cited one man having auditory hallucinations of like screams and bird squawking. Oh, that sounds pleasant. Yes. And another man uh, like couldn't drive because he saw arthropods around the car. They don't really know what causes it. Like one theory is uh, the um, plankton that they eat. Might have some hallucinogenic properties or something. Yes. And the the actual uh, intoxication from this is called ishtheoali intoxism. Whoa, look at I that. I know, right? Look at me. So you can pronounce that, but not intricacies. Carry <laughs> <laughs> right. on. Um, the intoxication levels are highest in the fall. 
Um, also, it depends on like when you eat this too. Yes. Okay. Uh, and here's the thing: not all of the like not all the fish will cause this. So you may eat one. Nothing. So it's like the shishito peppers of fish. Yes, it is. <laughs> you won't know until you're like seeing shit crawl out of the walls. Oh. Probably why you don't see this on restaurant menus very right often. <laughs> Have a meal. Maybe get high. You know. It sounds like more than just getting high. This is like, <laughs> there, this is like the, the worst trip you've ever had in your life. There is a reason why I've never done LSD. Yes. So do you know if people actively seek this fish out? Because you know there's got to be those like Absolutely. adventure seekers yes. and, and thrill seekers that, you know, are out there with the with the fishing pole in the water yeah. trying to trying to land one of these yeah yes they are interesting all right everyone wants a way to get high yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay I, I think i'll stick to my gummies right all right okay so if you enjoyed the show please rank and review us you can follow us on our socials uh our instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books and our facebook is at we cook books all right i got a i got a salad related joke for you okay it's kind of dedication i have to this show i i appreciate uh, that very much salad joke for the for the salad episode all right no matter what i put in my salads they always seem to be too dry it's a real problem that needs addressing huh (laughs) <laughs> so dumb that is not funny at all uh i was at a restaurant and the waiter oh, asked fuck, there's another one. Oh yeah oh, uh, of course <laughs> if, if at first you don't succeed try again with the with another awesome joke right that's how the saying goes what <laughs> all right i was at a restaurant and the waiter asked if I'd like soup or a salad. And I replied, yes, I'd love a super salad. No. Okay, listen to this. <laughs> Somehow there's a story behind this. There is. Okay, okay so um, let's see. It was my junior year. We were going to homecoming. No, it was Sadie Hawkins. Okay. No, it was either homecoming or Sadie Hawkins. And we were supposed to go to Tequila Berries, but we got lost on the way. Tequila Berries. Yes. Of course. So we ended up at the fucking ground round. Oh, yeah. And uh, the way one of the guys in Is our- Is one really better than the other? <laughs> I mean, I'd much rather be eating freaking prime rib. Yeah. Uh, but I think I was a vegetarian at the time, so I don't know why I agreed to go. But anyway, the waitress at the ground round asked one of the guys, soup or salad? And he's like, what about it? Because <laughs> she thought he, he thought she said super salad. Yep. And he's like super salad. He's like, what about it? That should have been the title of this book, <laughs> Super Salad. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe. Have a fantastic week. Stay hungry. Bye.